we found trust is always the root issue. It's never a leadership issue. The only reason you follow a leader or not, unless it's a dictator, is trust. It's not a sales issue. The reason I buy or not has something to do with trust. Hey, it's David, and you're listening to Leadership Without Losing Your Soul, your source for practical leadership inspiration, tools, and strategies you can use to achieve transformational results without sacrificing your humanity or your mind in the process. Hey, welcome to the show. Delighted that you are here. And I am so eager to introduce you to our guest today. Uh, his name is David Horsager. David is the CEO of Trust Edge Leadership Institute and a global authority on helping leaders and organizations become the most trusted in their industry. He's a national best-selling author. Some of his previous books include The Trust Edge, uh, he's uh, the inventor of the Enterprise Trust Index, director of one of the nation's foremost trust studies, which uh, publishes every year, the Trust Outlook. And he is the trust expert in residence at High Point University. If you're getting the sense that David is all about trust, you're on the right track. Uh, why am I so eager to introduce you to David? I learn something from David every time we talk about life, about leadership, about business. And so I am confident today is going to be no exception. And I know that you will too. David's worked with all sorts of companies, FedEx, professional sports teams, Toyota, global governments all over the world. And so, David, welcome to talk about your new book, Trusted Leader on Leadership Without Losing Your Soul. Hey, thank you so much, David. It's great to be with you. I respect and I'm grateful for your work. You know, even even your all your culture work. I've always said we, you know, the only way to build healthy cultures is build trust, right? Increase trust in the culture. That's how performance goes up. So, um, I think a lot of alignment there, and just grateful for you and grateful to be here. Uh, I like I said, I really am delighted you're here. So let's this this is a massive book, and we're not going to be able to even scratch. It will scratch enough that people are going to want to run out and get this book right away. But before we go there, I have to ask you a question uh, that I ask every guest on the show, which is, can you take us back and tell us about your earliest memory of yourself as a leader? That's a good question. Earliest memory of myself as a leader, you know. I certainly did plenty of things wrong, but I remember very young, you know, if you, if I go back in, in my school, I was always like, the, I'm the class president, the fourth grade, the Benjamin Franklin stamp club president, the fifth grade class president that, you know, so, so I was kind of affirmed early on in this way of leading, directing, bringing people together, captain of the football team and, and some of those kind of things. So I, and yet I was, you know, the poorest county in Minnesota. We'd have people out to our farm. My parents would, and I would, I right away, they'd just, hey, David, go do, you know, do something. So I'd take them out. And I kind of learned, I think, leadership of, hey, you want to jump on the trampoline? You want to do this? You want to do that? So I, I think as a kid, there was some of this happening. 4-H youth development, many people think of just ag organization. I took that leadership track and it transformed me to certainly be a better leader when actually the the ward of 2000 kids to go to Israel. So I, th I think of some of that youth, you know, as a young kid learning about leadership and boy, I still have plenty to learn, but I remember that as a kid, at least. Well, we're all in process. And I love that you went from uh, the stamp, the stamp <laughs> <laughs> club press. And, you know, it makes me think this is a first revelation. This has never been revealed on leadership without losing your soul before. So new to the show, but I was the chess club president. There you go. Uh, myself. So <laughs> I love chess. We should play. I could lose. I'd like to lose to someone like you. Oh, uh, all right. Well, Hey, you know, you never know. I, I lose to my son now. So, you know, yeah. we're all, we're all passing it on. Uh, yeah. All right. 
Well, thank you for sharing that with us, right? Those youthful leadership experiences are so much a part of our development. And like you said, we're still learning. We're still in, in process. We're here today to talk about Trusted Leader. Uh, it's your newest book. Um, it's just hot off the presses, literally dropped just a couple days before this episode is airing. And and I've read your previous work and, and I told you this before the show started, but for the listeners, I want you to know this is an incredible book. And if you will truly read this, absorb, it starts with a, a business parable, which is a lot of fun to read and the, the journey there, but then the content that follows up, uh, it is an incredible story. And so I'm, I'm curious for you, why did you choose to tell this story this way? Well, one thing we kept noticing is basically people, either they, they think you have trust or you don't, and it's, it can be actively built. They also, the reason for that story in the beginning is to shift thinking about trust. You know, this goes back, you know, a couple decades, my grad work, all this work on trust. And the first book, Trust, trust Edge, you know, 365 pages, turns out people don't all want to read that much. And we'd learned so much since I wrote that over a decade ago about takeaways, actionable takeaways you can apply tomorrow as a leader around trust. So that first half shifts thinking like people think, oh, uh, trust. These days, a lot of people say trust is just transparency and vulnerability. And there's truth to that. But some of your kids are so transparent on social media, I don't trust them for a second because confidentiality is also trusted or, or you know, it takes a long time to build trust, right? Long time. Well, in a moment of crisis, Complete strangers can trust each other like that if they're running the same direction. So trust is more complex than people think, and yet it is always the root cause. This is the other reason. We found trust is always the root issue. I, without ego, I can say it's never a leadership issue. The only reason you follow a leader or not, unless it's a dictator, is trust. It's not a sales issue. The reason I buy or not has something to do with trust, unless it's a commodity. It's not a, the only way to amplify a marketing message. It, you got to increase trust in the message. The only way to to deal with the diversity issues of our day, biggest Harvard study shows diversity on its own pits people against each other. The only way to get the best of diversity, which is fantastic when done right, is increase trust. Then you get the benefits. So seeing that trust is the root issue, our annual research, in fact, one of the one of the pieces of research shows trust, the number one reason people want to work for an organization last year across the U.S. Number one reason, ahead of more pay ahead of more autonomy, ahead of more fun work environment with a ping pong table, you know, is trusted leadership. So people either want to become more trusted as leaders or need to be, or they want to follow trusted leaders. So that first half was this kind of shift of thinking. And the second half is the newest actionable tools of how I can build it tomorrow morning against this eight pillar framework that's, you know, been revalidated by an outside university again last year as the way that trust is built globally. So there you go. We'll, <laughs> we'll talk more about those eight pillars here in a little bit. But yeah. uh, if you're listening to David going, oh my goodness, this guy is passionate. You have no idea. And the commitment to the concept of trust. And so one of the things I want to tease out there is, David, you are fond of saying that leaders spend a lot of time and effort solving the wrong problem. Right. And obviously, we already know your answer is going to be, well, the right problem is, is trust. But tell us more about how are leaders spending time solving the wrong problem? They're, they're spending time and resources. You, you know, we always we talk about lagging versus leading indicators, right? And we always want to, we want the lag. We want the sales. We, that's, a, that's a lagging indicator. We want the retention. That's a lagging indicator. But what's the leading indicator? And people don't they just don't see it right. Once we, we notice this in companies right away, why am I passionate about this? You know, 
my grad work before that, this kind of epiphany around trust, then it led to this grad work, then it led to us using it in companies right away. It was kind of blew some people away that we started increasing trust in one way. That was a leading indicator. And they said they saved two to four million in attrition costs in nine months. We did something in a Fortune 50 company and they said they tripled sales in 90 days and in one year gained 11% market share. That's a big deal. Trust was this lever, the leading indicator. And that's why I say it's never a, you know, a marketing issue, a leadership issue uh, at the core, trust is always a real issue. And really, you can think about it about anything. Like you and I have been on the platform around the world speaking. Well, my, our first job is not to make people laugh or anything. It's to build trust if we want to share anything valuable. If I think of my, our kid's classroom, the only way to increase learning in a classroom, the leading indicator is trust because I have to increase trust either in the content, the teacher, or the psychological safety or trust of the room. Then we get more learning to happen. All of these things, marketing, innovation, that team isn't creative, why? Well, if they don't trust each other, they won't share ideas, right? So that's one side of it. The other side that keeps coming back is how trust is, a lack of it is your biggest cost. And this goes back to partly that original research, but you know, without research, you can think, what do you mean it's my biggest cost? I thought trust was a soft skill. Maybe the best way to analogize it, good new word for it, I'll sell for the day. <laughs> don't, don't ask me to spell it, but a lock. Why would I put a lock on something? A lack of trust. A lock is built on a lack of trust. Okay, so what's the cost of that lack of trust? I gotta buy the lock, that's money. But now I gotta open it every time I go through the gate, that's time. That just cost me. Or a tweet, you know, write a text to someone you trust, how long does that take? Boop, no time at all. Now write a text to someone you don't trust, how long does that take? Oh, uh, how are they gonna take this, how are they gonna, you know? So there's always a cost, and so if they can, if they can pull the lever of trust, then attrition, retention, you know, innovation. We can actually start to deal with the real issue. Um, you, you know, I even say, we'll maybe get to this later when we talk about the pillars. It's never a communication issue. People talk about communication a lot. It never is, ever, ever, ever at the core. It's always a trust issue. And I can explain what I mean by that when we talk about the pillars, but it's never an engagement issue. The way you, the only way you build engagement is increased trust. I mean, it could be an engagement issue, but but the way you don't get engagement with engagement. Just same with net promoter score. We kept finding this in the research. You don't get referrals with referrals. The only way is increased trust. Then you get more referrals. So if they can shift thinking about trust, and use this framework, they can actually deal with the real issue, which leads to sales or you know performance or whatever. All right, so we're talking with David Horsager, author of Trusted Leader. And David, you're making the case for trust as the crux of everything leadership. You've got the research, you've got the practical tools, which is, you know, we value that highly around here at Let's Grow Leaders. Yeah, and, yeah. and we're gonna dive into some of those. So you wrote this parable and this to, to shift our thinking, to introduce us to some of these concepts as we read through Trusted Leader. Is any of this parable, did any of it come from real life or just your imagination? Oh. Where does this come from? <laughs> A whole lot of it came from real life. And then, it, you know, it, it's it's really fun and compelling. I mean, you can think of Maya in the story. It's much like, she's much like my wife, Lisa. And and you can think of uh, this brain trust, which is much like this mastermind or accountability group that I have that I, I say often, you know, leadership, if you're doing leadership alone, you're doing it wrong. And that's a big message for everybody listening. We, we have to, you know, build a team around us. And um, th there's several parts of it. I mean, I love to ski. I've had a, you know, ski accident. The guy has an accident, almost loses his company. And and uh, really, it was this this guide that he came upon in the hospital that helped him. 
or, or where, where he was laid up that helped him see differently and save his business using trust, but using this eight pillar framework. But, but the, I'll give you one little real experience that early on in the book, and that is I had this exact thing happen to me. I'm in a boardroom and it's, it's slightly different worded in the book, but basically they kept saying to me all morning, I did a half day on trust and they're like, yeah, we got to do this. If we don't do this startup tech company, we got to deliver on this or we'll lose all our funding. We got to deliver on this and you're going to deliver. We're delivering on this. We're delivering on this by May 1st. We're delivering, we're delivering. And pretty soon they were saying it so much. I started like, are they really like, what's going on? You're saying this so much. I don't believe you, you know? And they were kind of trying to amp each other up, I think, and believe each other. And so I took the leadership team into the boardroom and we talked after this whole keynote to all the employees and half day with them. Okay. So just because I get paid for telling the truth, you may never hire me back, but I want to ask you a question. Everybody says you got to deliver on this, right? You're going to lose the company. You're all going to be gone. I mean, everything's going to tank. If you don't deliver on this, you got to deliver on this, right? Every, yeah, yeah, yeah. CEO, board members. I said, okay, pause for a second. You're just shut your eyes if you need to. Give me a one out of 10 around the table because something could happen, right? In the next four months, you know, so one out of 10, you absolutely believe you're going to deliver on this commitment. And we went around the table and nine, 10, and then one young lady had the guts to tell the truth that changed everything. And she said a three. And of course, then backed up on that person. Well, if you're a three, then my 10 is a six, you know, and then, and all of a sudden they told the truth and we were able to talk about it in a way that actually they got to the truth in time to save the company. Mm. And it was a really monumental moment. And I, I, I say it more eloquently and write it more eloquently in the book with edits compared to my speaking today, but this shift of thinking that created trust and, and it's one little part of the book that starts that story in the right path of shift of thinking about how trust matters more than ever and how they start to solve it. Oh, I love that. And it is a powerful story. It is a powerful moment in the book where one one character says, yo, gosh, and the chief operating officer says, I've got to revise my seven down to a four. Exactly. Monumental. <laughs> right? right. So many uh, people how, are just going through life, not not telling the truth, and then they're losing, you know, and- And, and how powerful is it that it, it and so real life example, it took one person. Yeah. Just totally. took one person and that gave everybody else the psychological safety to say, okay, yeah. And a massive risk. It wasn't the president, it wasn't the COO. It wasn't the, in the book. It is, but they were all senior leaders, but this was probably a riskiest move for this person that actually, you know, did it. Yeah, know? absolutely. And, you know, that's, we talk a lot about uh, that in courageous cultures, right? Of yeah, absolutely. If, if everyone, and that's the paradox, if everyone is in the habit of telling the truth, speaking up on behalf of the customer, the employee experience and, and you know, solving problems. If if that's the norm, it doesn't take courage to do it. But if it's mm. not the norm, it takes a tremendous amount of courage and leadership in order yep. to to have that commitment to the truth. That's powerful. Let's dive into some of the one of the things I appreciated about the the book, David, is so practical. And so when we get into the eight pillars, and if you could just run through those eight yep. pillars, and then I, I want to dive a little bit more deeply into into one or two of them. I've got some follow up questions for sure. you. So just for context, I'll give you all eight. And just a reminder, they're denoted by C words, but that doesn't make this some motivational book that whatever. For clarity, we denote, they each stand for kind of a research funnel from way back. It was revalidated again last year by this outside university as the way trust is built. So they, they, I believe you can solve every organizational leadership issue against these eight without ego. It doesn't mean I know how. It doesn't mean it's easy. Uh, uh, but we, we contextualize them for, you know, corruption work in East Africa and pro sports teams. And we have people working on six continents use, using this framework. So here's the eight pillars. So if, if you buy into that 
this case for trust that a lack of trust is the biggest cost. It's a root issue. How do you actually build trust? How do you, is it just integrity or honesty? Well, it turns out all eight were important. Here they are. Number one is clarity. People trust the clear and they mistrust or distrust the ambiguous or the overly complex. And remember, each of these pillars I can talk about all day. There's a whole lot of takeaways. And in the book, we took uh, the newest, quickest to take action on takeaways and they are under each pillar for a leader to use tomorrow morning. And my, just as, a, as an idea, the way I lost 52 pounds in five months, that little clarity method, it's in the book now. Of the way that we've seen people triple sales, that's in the book. The spa method, the trust shield, all these. Okay, number one, clarity. Number two is, is compassion. What we learned is people trust those that care beyond themselves. I have a hard time being accountable to you or whatever if I don't feel like you care beyond yourself. Number three is character. We trust those that do what's right over what's easy. You know, th there's a seven-step process we show of how you can build character into a company. People think, oh, no, they're done. At 12 years old, people have all the character they have. Many organizations are incentivized against the very character they say they want to have. So number four, you think character is important? It is critical, foundational, but it's not everything because number four is competency. I might trust David to give me, uh, to, to take my kids to the ball game, right? because of his character and his compassion. That doesn't mean I will trust him to give me a root canal because of competency. So that's why we have to stay fresh and relevant and capable. That's a, that's a good call, by the way. <laughs> right. Next pillar is commitment. We keep finding people trust those that stay committed in the face of adversity. So, you, you know, whether it's your first grade teacher or mom or dad or Mandela, Martin Luther King, Gandhi, Jesus, or Joan of Arc. People are trusted that commit to something beyond themselves, sometimes to death, right? So commitment. Next pillar is connection. We found that people trust those that are willing to connect and collaborate. So many people, if I go into an organization, by the way, each of these pillars has counterforces. So if I see siloing, I know I might have a counterforce of connection. Just like if I see complexity or ambiguity, I've got a counterforce of clarity. Or if I see any of the isms or, or hatefulness or apathy, I've got a counterforce to compassion. So this connection and collaboration pillar. The next pillar is contribution. And the number one word that came out of this kind of research funnel is results. We, we, we trust those that contribute results or uh, outcomes, performance. So you can't just have compassion and character. You've got to contribute results, right? You've got to actually, we have to deliver results, but you can't just contribute results without compassion or character if you want to have this thing we call the trusted or be a trusted leader. Final pillar is consistency. You know, you're trusted for whatever you do consistently. Consistency is the queen and king of the pillars. If you're late all the time, I will in fact trust you to be late, right? So the only way to build a reputation or a brand is sameness. So we can actually take these eight pillars and actually solve the core issue against one of these eight or a multitude of them. And it's always a function of these. And I, I, with, like I said, without ego, I hate it when consultants come in and say, oh, it's always, but I mean, the research, it kind of proves it out. So this is where, let me just share about the communication issue. I'll say, people say, we got a communication issue. You never do. Communication is happening all the time. Clear, communication is trusted. Unclear, communication isn't. So it's a, it's a clarity issue. Or compassionate communication is trusted. Hateful, communication isn't. You got a compassion issue. Or consistent is inconsistent. High character is low character isn't. So when you can define against these, you actually start to solve the real marketing, communication, leadership issue. And so if you're listening, I, I hope that you will take a couple of minutes, back up your podcast episode there for just a moment and listen to those eight again. David just went through them quickly, but there is so much value for you to think about, okay, clarity, compassion, character, competency, commitment, connection, contribution, and consistency. 
Uh, it's a master class in leadership, these eight pillars and how they each contribute to trust. And so David just gave you the, the, the pro example and the counter example <laughs> for each one, which is a great starting point. And then that's why I'm encouraging you get the book and dive in and look at the practical ways to, to uh, start building in these. But David, go ahead. Yeah, I'll give you one thing. This week and next week, so when this drops, if you would like, you don't even have to buy the book. But you go trusted leader, not the just like Facebook. We took the off, right? So www.trustedleaderbook.com. You can get this webcast, kind of this master class of this content free if you just sign up in there. And then of course you can grab the book if you'd like. And you get a whole lot of bonuses if you grab the book. But basically, I really want this out there. Whether or not you, you know, feel like it's worth the 20 but whatever bucks for the book or not, it, I believe it changed me. So I believe it can change others. So we put that webcast out there complimentary on this content also to affirm everything that's in the book. Yeah. And when David says that he wants this out there, regardless, he really means that, right? You are incredibly committed to building a more trustful, trusted, trustworthy world. And the uh, leaders are obviously an incredible part of that. The leadership that that everyone listening today, it's not just about your team. It's not just about your family. It's about the, the world that we're building together. And who doesn't want a world where we can't live with more trust for one another? Love that. So David, let's take a little bit deeper dive. I am going to start personally for you because I I'm thinking about this a couple of angles. I'm going to preamble this question. Think about Ellen DeGeneres. So while we're recording, she recently, you know, she has this brand about being kind. And that's kind of what she's, you know, be kind is what she's been known for. Well, then that has been undermined by revelations that in her company and in her production company that it's been anything but kind mm -hmm. in, in that environment. And so as a leader, I know that as somebody who's an author and, you know, seven things your team needs to hear you say and winning well and courageous cultures and, and so on. And people tell us this when they come for employment and join our business is I'm looking forward to your leadership, right? Yeah. <laughs> there is, yep. you, you know, that pressure and it's a positive pressure, but that expectation that you're going to live up to your own message. And mm -hmm. I'm a human being. Absolutely. And there are times I have to stop and go, oh man, I got to go reread my own book yeah. and I need to up my game and recommit in a particular area. So I'm curious for you, as you think about these eight pillars, mm -hmm. which one or two do you find you have to be the most intentional about well, for I'm yourself? Gonna, yeah. I'm going to tell you a few things right here. Number one, I'm very open with my organization and I've got a you know significant team. Like I am not perfect at any of these. I just know they're true from the research and my family knows well. Let me tell you, you get teenagers, you'll learn real quick, right? So I believe in this stuff. I'm passionate about it. People see that authentically and yet I'm clear that I'm not perfect at any of this. I can see my downfalls. One of the challenging ones that actually, that's one of the biggest challenges for me is, is clarity. So my my uh, executive assistant now she's moved up and I have another executive assistant but um, well they're both I mean they're all so important but anyway and she's really good at coming back to me and sit and going through my own methodology you can learn it in the book ODC not OCD ODC but whenever whenever we ask for something we want to make sure we have a clear outcome a clear deadline and clarifying these clarifying questions and like okay what's the ODC on that because I'll say it I taught that I created that but I won't do it right and so clarity is challenging when you're moving as fast as we we are and you're driven about this work and whatever so that's one 
I make another comment on the Ellen because you got to get a couple different things here. People often ask me, how do you rebuild trust once you've lost it? Because you've made a mistake, I bet. I have for sure. How do you rebuild it, right? I'll make one comment here because we have a 10-step process for how you rebuild trust. And you're, you know, big oil company and had a huge oil spill. There's a process to, to rebuild trust. And frankly, I believe a decade ago or so, BP did it well. So that's why I use that again. There's plenty of people that haven't done it well. But let's take personally, whether you're an individual or an organization, it actually comes down to one thing. Rebuilding trust, whether it's Ellen or you or me, it comes down to one thing, and it is not the apology. People think it's the apology. It never is. You never rebuild trust on the apology. I had a, a CEO from the Netherlands come up to me. and said, David, he'd been in America for a couple of weeks. I said, I said to him, what's the first thing you notice in America? And he said, you want to know the truth, David? I said, yeah. He said, you got a bunch of lying apologizers in America. He said, I got this guy on this team. He said, every day he comes in, he says, I'm sorry I'm late. I'm like, no, you're not. You're late every single day, right? So the doesn't mean you don't need to apologize sincerely to open the communication and, and, and show your heart and empathize. But the only way to rebuild trust, only way, is to make and keep a new commitment. So this is a message for the, those of you leaders. You will not be trusted again unless you make and keep a new commitment. The only way to rebuild it. If Alan goes in and says, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, we say this, but we're not very good. But here's what I'm going to do about it. I'm not perfect. I'm gonna, but I'm going to do, you're going to see these three things I'm going to start to do differently or wh whoever it is. And it's, and I'm speaking to myself or anybody here. So it's the same with, we all hear the idea of love your neighbors yourself. People that don't love themselves at all, they have a hard time building, you know, loving others, right? It's the same with trust. You don't trust yourself at all. You have a hard time building it on a team or anywhere else. And the reason you don't trust yourself is because you don't make and keep commitments. Those that make and keep commitments, they start to trust themselves and then they're able to do it with others. Yeah, it's the it's the behavior that matters. I mean, so apology opens the door to right. the relationship, to the communication, Absolutely. and it's the follow up behavior you got to show it. So, you know, let's let's apply these pillars on a contemporary topic that is on the minds, hearts, and minds of of leaders everywhere. Uh, I hope right now, <laughs> and that you mentioned on some level um, early earlier in your comments, and that is uh, inclusive leadership. And you made a, a, a kind of, I'm paraphrasing here, but you basically said, if I've got it right, that strictly speaking, diversity can divide, but inclusion requires trust. And I'm, I may be paraphrasing what you said, but uh, help us understand if, if we want to create a more inclusive culture, more inclusive environment mm -hmm. and, and invite everybody to the party yeah. on our teams, mm -hmm. where does trust play into that? And how do we go about that? It's everything. And I created trust and diversity and inclusion with my uh, African-American colleague, Milton. And it's it better if we were here talking about this together because it would give a more full view, right? But I believe, I think we believe even, I, we wish people wouldn't have diversity and inclusion initiatives. We wish they'd have trust, inclusion, and equity initiatives because if they focus on diversity, they tend to get more of it. If they focus on trust, they tend to get more of it. Now you do need these initiatives and the heart behind them is is critical. But the point is, we have to somehow focus on trust. The research shows you can just have more diversity. And it, it, and even though we all know, by the way, let me just be real clear here. Diversity is health. The right kind of diversity is healthy, right? The right kind of diversity brings different perspectives, backgrounds. The research shows it. But diversity on its own, without a commonality, you know, without trust, doesn't work. So we have to focus on trust with diversity, not just diversity. An example would be, we can't be diverse in every way. And I'm not talking about color of skin. I'm talking about, as an example, in an organization, if I have an absolutely clear 
clear, clear, clear vision, or we have absolutely clear values, we're not diverse in our values. These are our values. We want people to look differently, that bring different perspectives, but we have to be absolutely clear about who we are in our values. Then we pull in people that are different in many different ways that bring the best of, uh, uh, you know, from a diverse perspective. Sometimes people think be diverse in every thinking possible way, and actually we have to have sameness, but it's not color of skin, it's not a whole lot of other ways people want to be the same. That diversity in many of those ways brings the best of the world together. But you have to you have to have a, a sameness, which could be values, could be vision, could be some other things, so that your culture is has an anchor point of sameness that we can build trust around. That commitment to how we do things here, right. what we're committed to, what we're trying to achieve together, mm -hmm. and our ability to rely on one another to do that is table stakes for... Yeah for any team, right? It, now, we have a big thing that we're working against. I mean, our study shows, one, the, the study I noted about the Harvard Putnam study that shows diversity on its own pits people against each other is noted in the book, and it's actually noted in my first book, so if you want to find it. But the, but there is, a, we do have a problem, you and I know it, and that is our study, our Trust Outlook annual study shows, uh, if I'm remembering this right, it's approximately this anyway, about seven out of 10 people believe diversity is important to high-performing teams. And yet about seven out of 10 people want to work with teams with people who look just like themselves. Mm. That's a big problem. That's a major problem. We're not talking about diversity that way. We're talking about, we want diverse thinking. We have to build it around a culture of oneness. That's how we can build trust. Mm. Shared understanding. Yep. Well, David, we have just barely begun mm. talking about trusted leader and and there's so much more in this book. So I just, I, I want to encourage people to go out and get it. You mentioned uh, trustedleader.com earlier. Trusted for, Leader uh, Book, not Trusted, trusted Leader. We couldn't, we couldn't get a hold of that, but trustedleaderbook.com. Oh, you you got to put book there. Um, you can find out about us and find your way there from still trustedge.com or davidhorsheger.com. But right now, trustedleaderbook.com. If you do grab a book or share that, you get a whole lot of extras, even if you don't buy the book, there's a master class piece there that people can watch and gain a whole lot of ideas of how they can use this tomorrow morning. Okay. So David is humbly saying he's got the, the thing that you can watch and get a lot of things and, and be able to use it. And this David is telling you, buy the dang book. <laughs> it's worth it. And it will benefit your leadership. I promise you that that's the case. And so you've got the website, uh, trustedleaderbook.com. David, for somebody who's listening, going, okay, got it. We've got about 60 seconds left. What are the practical next steps? I can go, I can watch the thing, I can get the book, but mm -hmm. if I want to, to tomorrow work on my own leadership from a, and, and be a more trusted leader, where do I start? Well, 60 seconds, tough. This is, this is, by the way, this happens a lot to me, David. It's like, we got this big trust issue, David. You, you got five minutes. <laughs> exactly. Can you just change this corruption issue with trust? And we got the, you know, it's a hundred years old. We got six minutes. Uh, you got a, you got I'm, a magic wand to wave, yeah, right? Yeah. I'll, I'll make a couple comments. Number one, start to understand the language of that, of that eight pillar framework, because once you start to see that, you start to see the real issue. And so you can solve against that real issue. Then ask, and the process is in the book, but start asking this question. How, 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 until you can do something today or tomorrow. How, 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 not how could I do some, okay, then how could I do that? Then how could I do that? I mean, this is the same with my weight loss, right? One of the ideas was, was um, okay, I got to eat less, exercise more. That's not clear. Okay, how am I going to take in less calories? Okay, how am I going to, how, 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 until I stopped 
on the airplane ordering a Coke and change it to a Fresco without calories, right? Coke, two Cokes was a meal. So how, 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 how until I can apply it today or tomorrow. And that's what you can do when you get some of these ideas of the book. You can how, 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 how until you can apply something today or tomorrow that starts to build that pillar that has the result you want. So that's one. Secondly, I would say it's the little things done consistently that make the biggest difference. So this helps you get a little thing you can do consistently. And finally, I would say the big challenge with this work is people can manipulate the pillars to look trusted without actually being worthy of it. At the end of the day, what I'm really hoping for is people are actually trustworthy leaders, worthy of trust. That's authentic trusted leaders. That's what I'm hoping for. And that's what I'm trying to be myself. So yeah, and David, I appreciate that invitation and that challenge for all of us and your commitment to the work that you do. I hope uh, as you're listening today that you will take that to heart, take a look at the pillars. You can, in the book, the, towards the end, I think it's chapter 31, there's next steps. You can actually evaluate yourself and your own team organization with regard to the pillars and pick some of those practical next steps. And David lays that all out there for you. Do that and you're on your way to being the leader you'd want your boss to be. David, thanks again for being on the show with us today and sharing all of the wisdom and insights. Thank you so much. Good to share a good name together too, David. Absolutely. <laughs> Love having the, the David factor on there. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>